May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face shine upon us. That your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. Yes, Lord, you are gracious. And yes, you do bless us. And yes, Lord, we want your ways to be known on the earth. We want your ways to be known here in World Golf Village. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. Lord, so many nations, and including ours many times, have turned our back on you, Lord. Help us to remember that you are the faithful one. You are the one that's worthy to be praised. Help us uh, to recognize and to worship the one that's worthy to be praised. And when that happens, we get joy and you get glory. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Yes, Lord, you uh, should be feared in a healthy way, God. You are powerful, you are mighty, you are holy, but you're also gracious. And what an amazing thing that a powerful and mighty God, uh, we're able to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And so I pray, God, that we would be confident in you and your faithfulness this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Our uh, shorter catechism question is going to come up on the screen, but before that happens, let's, uh, let's get some popcorn going this morning. Hopefully my uh, microphone won't explode when I do this. Boom, that would be fun. Uh, you'd definitely be talking about that. So let's get that going while we're reading the shorter catechism question uh, for this morning. It's question 30. How does the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? This is an important thing that as we come to faith in Christ, how is that redemption uh, given to us? And the Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by producing faith in us and by this uniting us to Christ in our effective calling. Wow, what an awesome truth that is. I'm so glad that it's not up to us, that it's up to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And uh, the studies are out. This is the second week that the brand new studies for June have been out. So if you don't have a study, please grab one uh, here this morning. I'm going to look uh, real quick on page 10 and 11. If you turn there, uh, we are on a disciple-making adventure. And it talks about it here, uh, about how we're going to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And it talks about our chairs of discipleship. And this is so vital if we're going to make disciples in our community that we understand his love and his grace and his mercy. About halfway down the page, on page 10, it says, what is a disciple? And it says a, follow, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple has three great loves. Jesus, one another, and the lost. And that's what we're uh, trying to help people become here at Good News Church. We want people to be disciples that make disciples. And this morning, as we're trying to make disciples that make disciples, we're talking about something that's very important, a fruit of the Spirit, and that is faithfulness. I mean, don't, don't you love faithful people? I, mean, I, I love faithful people. I love being around faithful people. I know when they say they're going to do something, they do it. I know that when they're, when they're about to uh, commit to something, I know that if they commit to it, they're going to do it. And so we're going to cultivate faithfulness this morning. And the popcorn's done. You see, so many times in Christianity, we want the popcorn Christianity, especially in uh, American culture. See, what we're talking about this morning is cultivating faithfulness, not popcorn faithfulness. 
You see, with popcorn, you can put it in the microwave, and it's done in three minutes, and you get the satisfaction of having warm, awesome popcorn. Anybody want this this morning? Anybody want it? Anybody want it? Gina, I don't know if I can reach you, Gina. Here we go. Oh, oh, I'm a, oh, wow. Right in between you guys. There you go. You can in, enjoy that this morning. See, we want, we want the quick, fast God, move. Let me read the devotional this morning. Let me see if I get something out of it. Oh, I didn't get anything out of it. God must not be good. We want the popcorn Christianity. But faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. And you have to cultivate fruit. See, up here I have a lemon tree. What do you notice about this lemon tree? What's that? Yeah, there's no lemons. Come on. Fruit. Now. Let's go. Doesn't work that way, does it? See, fruit needs to be cultivated. You can't just throw it in the microwave and produce lemons. It doesn't work that way. You need to continually grow in your faith and let the faithful one work in your life. See, see some of you this morning are going to hear cultivate and you're going to think, I have to try harder. I have to do more. God will love me then. If I do more in my life, then that's when God will love me. No, that's, that's not what's meant by cultivate in Scripture. Cultivate in Scripture is to let him, who is far more faithful than we are, work in our lives so that we can in turn be more faithful in our lives. See, we really struggle as a society with faithfulness. I found, according to Forbes, only 8% keep their New Year's resolution. Only 8%. Isn't that crazy? We're not good with following through. Uh, psychology Today says that we are all doomed, this is a quote, we're all doomed to make promises that we cannot keep. Hmm. Is that true? If it is, then we need to know as believers in Christ that faithfulness lights up the darkness. See, if it is true that our world really struggles with faithfulness, really struggles with falling through, really struggles with keeping promises, guess what happens when we're faithful? Guess what happens when we keep our promises? We look completely different than the world. We get to light up the darkness when we're faithful. When we show that our word really means something, we show that we're going to use God's gifts for his glory and we're going to be faithful in those things. When we show that we're allowing God's faithfulness to work in our lives so that we can cultivate good fruit, then we can light up the darkness. I mean, we see all around us that people are not faithful because as a world, as a society, we are always looking for assurance, right? I mean, you see this all the time with young people that are dating they are constantly asking, do, do you still like me? Do you, do you love me? Even in marriage, we find that you haven't said I love me, lo I love you in a while. Do, do, you still, do you still love me? We see that from employees to employers. You know, do, do you still value me? Do you still care for me? Is there, do I have worth in this organization? I mean, I see it with, the own, with our own church staff talking about you guys. You know, saying things like, did I care for them good enough? Is our congregation, people going to just leave because we didn't do things good enough? Did we not care for them well enough? Did we not preach well enough? We're constantly looking for assurance, and people do this with God, too. You know, am, am I worthy of his love? Am I worthy of forgiveness? Am I, am I good enough? Will he love me? 
will he give me unconditional love? See, this faithfulness is such a vital and important thing because it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And if you spent any time in church or in Sunday school, you know the fruits of the Spirit. It's in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. See, the fruit is really unique. In the world, not even talking in the church, it's in the world, we see all these things, right? You don't have to be a Christian to see love. You don't have to be a Christian to show joy. But the fruit is unique because they're all together all at once. And it's the only place in the world where we can see God working in and through all of those things all at once because he is the one who is faithful. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 24, that's what it says, right? Is that he's the one that's faithful. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will what? He will what? Do it. He will do it. I feel like we're in the best Nike commercial ever, right? That God is just going to do it, not us. His faithfulness works in our life. And when his faithfulness works in our life, guess what? We can be faithful. Because listen, when we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit here and our nice little environment and cushy chairs at church with air conditioning and all of our brothers and sisters in Christ all around us, it sounds really good, right? We're going to have love with each other and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And it's going to be great. But when we step out of these doors, what happens? Life happens, right? And it's a little bit more difficult to show that fruit when life happens. I remember a time I had an amazing opportunity to preach in Rome. And so I went with uh, my wife, and at the time we only had one child, so Liliana was there with us, and my mother-in-law uh, came uh, with us too. And uh, we were flying back from Rome through London, and we got on this flight, and it was two hours delayed, and international travel, and people are upset, and the airport, airport is crowded, and we get on this plane, and we find out the entertainment, ready to gasp here, guys, the entertainment for the next five hours was not going to work. No entertainment, no, no screens that are going to work. The Wi-Fi was down, so everyone is pretty upset about this. The plane takes off. And I don't know if the pilot was trying a new thing or what, but he, for the next five and a half hours, he kept revving up the engine, going real fast, and then bringing it way back down, almost like the engines were off. Like this, like that, all the way through the whole trip. People are starting to panic, because when he pulls it back, it sounds like the engines are off. There's unbelievable amount of turbulence. You have all this stuff working together. Try having the fruit of the Spirit then. You're going to love the person that's sneezing and coughing on you. You're going to have joy that your entertainment is gone and you have a two-year-old with you and there's no way to distract her on this trip. You're going to have peace when you feel like the plane is going to crash. You're going to have patience when everyone else is upset. You're going to have faithfulness when everyone else is giving you cues to be upset. See, that's why fruit needs to be cultivated. That's why it needs to be grown. That's why it's a process of God working in our life because... When you're waiting in that grocery line with 10 items or less, and the two people in front of you have 19 and a half items, you have to have fruit 
be cultivated in your life. It, it, it can't just be quick. It has to be something that grows deep in your life. When someone cuts you off on the road, that fruit has to be cultivated. When you're in small group with someone and they constantly are saying annoying things, fruit has to be cultivated. And that's why this, this message is so important for making disciples. Because if we're going to make disciples and we're going to be uh, faithful in making disciples, it's the long game. It's not the short game. Disciples are not microwaved. See, the cool thing about experiencing people that come to faith in Christ is that you get to see an immediate result of them coming to faith in Christ. If you get to lead someone to faith in Christ, you get to see that immediate thing. But there's a cultivation even for them coming to faith in Christ. I told the story a, a few months ago about how a person who came here to Good News, he has been witnessed to by his wife for the last almost 80 years. And he didn't come to faith in Christ till his 80th birthday. And I just met him this year, and I got to lead him to faith in Christ. Now, I didn't do any of the cultivating. But there have been many, 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 many others that had. And I'm so grateful and so thankful for that. It happened the other way not, not so long ago. In the last couple weeks here at Good News, there's a guy that's been coming here with his, with his wife, and uh, he's been coming, checking things out, checking things out. He didn't share one. He's just coming and seeing, and uh, he's been listening to services, listening to the gospel. I've been personally witnessing to him for a matter of five or six or seven years. This has been happening. And then he went to a church service on a Sunday night somewhere else and came to faith in Christ. Really, God? No, but I was so thrilled for him. See, there's a cultivating process that happens. And if we're going to cultivate faithfulness, we have to let the one who is faithful work in our lives. We have to let the one who, who, is, who is the most powerful being spirit on the planet, and that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to let that work in and through us so that we can light up the darkness. See, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, it talks about being a light in darkness. And if we're going to be a light in darkness, we, we can't look like the darkness. We have to look different. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, we get an opportunity to be the light of the world with faithfulness in our lives. Because the one that we know as believers in Christ is the light. In John chapter 8, uh, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so when we let the light of the world work in us, we can let it shine out to the world and let it shine in darkness. And that's an awesome thing. The pressure is off of us. We just have to let God work in and through us. And there's such a great need for light in our world today, right? You think of all of the family meltdowns that you hear about. You think about all of the crime. You think about all of the immorality. You think about all of the unborn not being protected and loved. You think about the redefinition of marriage. There's so many things in our world that seem to be heading towards darkness. But as the church, we get to be the light because we get to shine his faithfulness into the world. And for that, I am so excited. 
I believe that the best is yet to come for the church here in our community because we get to shine in the darkness. Faithfulness lights up uh, the darkness, and the only way it can light up the darkness is that we get faithfulness from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because he is the one who's faithful. There was a, a man who was sentenced to die, and he appeared before the king, and, and he was trembling. And he asked, the king asked if he wanted one more thing before he died, and he said, Sir, can I please have a glass of water? And he had the glass of water, and he was trembling because he was set to die. And the king said, hurry up. You're not, I'm not going to bring you to die unless you drink that water. And the man just went like this. I stand on the word of the king. You said that I had to drink that before you die, and now the water is spilled everywhere. And the king said, you scoundrel. My word is true. And I stand on the word that I said. And so even though you tricked me, even though you're a scoundrel, you are free to live. And that's the way that we are as people on this earth. We are a bunch of scoundrels who have done nothing but sin against God, done nothing but gone against his word. And I'm the leader of those scoundrels, and I'm so thankful for his word because his word says that because of his faithfulness, there is no condemnation. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. In John chapter 1, it says that he gave us the right to become children of God, and that's what we are. It's not because of anything that we did. It's all because of his faithfulness. It's all because of his goodness. It's all because of him working in and through us. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's his faithfulness working in our lives. And if you don't believe me, we see it all through Scripture. I mean, if you know uh, the story of Paul who was persecuting Christians, who was killing Christians on that road to Damascus, what did Paul do? He didn't do anything. He wasn't seeking after God. He wasn't seeking after the Lord. It was Jesus who took the first step. Jesus who, who called him. I think uh, of Lydia, the story in Acts, it says that the Lord opened her heart to respond. It's his faithfulness working in, in her life. What about the demon-possessed girl? Was she seeking after the Lord? No, it was, it was the Lord that worked through her life so that she could know the one true God. Or the, the Philippian jailer, was, was he seeking after the Lord? No, it was Jesus taking that step. I mean, I look at my own life. Did I go off to Flagler College thinking, oh, I'm just going to seek after Jesus? If you followed me around my freshman year, it would be very clear that I was not seeking after Jesus. But the Lord surrounded me with believers because he is faithful. And he's faithful in your life too. He began a good work in your life if you're a believer in Christ. And he's going to bring it to completion. He's the one that's faithful. It's up to us. The likelihood of it bringing, bringing to completion is very small, isn't it? I mean, we think about all the ways that we <laughs> fall short as a, as a society with our commitments. I mean, 
Do we follow through on our diet plans? Do we follow through with our exercise? Do we follow through with the hobbies that we want to do? We think about all the half-finished projects around the house and at our workplace. We're not great at faithfulness, and that's why it needs to be cultivated in our life with the power of, the Jesus, uh, of Jesus, because he's not like us. He's a finisher, and because of that, we can have gospel confidence that he's going to work in our life, that he is going to give us the fruits of that spirit in our lives, because he's the one that gives us the power to be able to do do that, not us. See, in Luke chapter 19, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what is lost. Aren't you glad about that? Because each and every one of us was lost. Some of you here this morning may still be lost, but he came on this earth as a seeking and saving Savior. I know some of you think, could I ever be forgiven? Some of you think, is eternal life a real thing? Some of you think, is there room for a sinner like me in God's family? And the answer to those questions in Scripture is yes. Because all of us were lost. All of us were bound for hell for all eternity. But Jesus came as a seeking and saving Savior because he is faithful. And in Acts chapter 16, we see what it says. It says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you must do to be saved. To confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, that's such a big commitment. Well, anything that is worth doing has costs and has benefits. I think students, you, you guys want to have a car. You want to drive. Well, a car takes what? What do you need to have a car? You need to have money. You need to have money to be able to have a car, and that's the cost. But the benefit of having a car is you get to have some freedom. See, following Christ, there, there is a cost, and the cost is control. That we can't drive and let Jesus drive our life too. We have to hand over the controls and let him be the one that's in charge of our life. That's the cost. When you think about it, it's really not a cost, is it? Because he's the one that sees everything. If we peel back the curtain of heaven, all the things that are going on in your life, they have a reason. He's not out of control. He's working through all these things. Now, I'm like you sometimes. I wish sometimes God wouldn't do the things that he did. I think that sometimes I feel like I I have a better plan than he does. How ridiculous, right? That the clay tells the potter what to do. See, he has an amazing plan because he is faithful. And so if you've never trusted in Christ, there is a cost to give him control. But there's also amazing benefits that you get forgiveness, you get purpose, you get power, you get love, you get eternal life. You notice I didn't say you just get the easy life. You notice I didn't say that you're just going to have everything be perfect. Because that's not what following Jesus promised. But it does promise forgiveness. It does promise peace. It does promise eternal life. So if you've never trusted in the faithful one, won't you trust him? Don't you want to be light in darkness? Aren't you sick and tired of living your life in the dark? The way that you trust in Christ is admitting that you're a sinner, admitting that you messed up. Just join the party. Listen, we all messed up. We've all screwed up. We've all fallen short. Admit that. And then believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Trust in his word. Trust in what he's done. And then commit your life. Hand over controls. Say, I've done it my way. Now it's time to do it your way. 
If you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do it right in your seat. You can just tell him those things. To admit, believe, commit. If you need help with that, come and see me after the service. Come and see the prayer team. We'd love to help you with that. I've talked about it all through the message, but in case you haven't noticed that the action step, it really is a long-term action step, and that's to cultivate faithfulness. But there are things that you can do right now to help cultivate faithfulness. I know many of you, you're like me. I want the popcorn. I want it now. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I don't want to wait around. I only got one life. Let's do this. But we need to cultivate faithfulness. And I think sometimes we imagine that faithfulness has been this, this fruit that has been uh, something that's just been really prevalent in our world, that we imagine the first century church, that all the people there were so faithful and they were always worshiping God. But we look in Scripture, we look in Philippians 2, and it says that after all the people that Paul invested in, there was only two faithful men still around him. And then 2 Timothy 4, when he's talking to his, his mentee, Timothy, he says that everyone has left him. Wow. Here's a guy that is trying to help the churches grow, and all the people around him were not faithful in the end. Wow. So what are some things that you can do to cultivate faithfulness? This is going to really shock you. Spend time with the faithful one. Isn't that shocking? I know some of you want something far more complex, right? Pastor Andy, that's not deep enough. I want something deeper. I want something more than just telling me to spend time with Jesus. Listen, you will grow deeper in your faith. You will know him more. You will be more faithful when you spend time with the faithful one. Because he is faithful. He's not capable uh, of lying. In Titus 2, it says that God cannot lie. In Lamentations 3, it says great is his faithfulness. If I want to be a really good baseball pitcher, I have to hang around with people that are really good baseball pitchers and know things about pitching. If I want to be a really good singer, I need to hang around with really good musicians. I need to cultivate that. I need to, to work on it. If I want to be faithful, I want to hang around the faithful one. And allow him to work in my life. Allow him to move in our, my life so that I can be more faithful. Listen, he keeps his promises. And I'm so grateful and so thankful that he does that. That he's the one that cannot lie. He's the one that's working in our life. He's the one that finishes well. The second thing that we can do to cultivate faithfulness in our life is that we can team up with others. I love what it says in Proverbs 13. Now, some of you with the crowd that you hang out with, you're not going to like uh, what it says here in, in uh, Proverbs 13, 20. Can we put that, that verse, verse up in Proverbs 13, 20? It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Look around right now. <laughs> Look in your life. Are you hanging out with people that are wise? That will help you cultivate faithfulness? One of the reasons why we talk about small groups so much here at Good News is because we believe that being around other like-minded people that are trying to have cultivate faithfulness in their lives will help you to do that too. See, I don't want to have a council of fools. I, I don't want to suffer harm. 
I want to I be around others that help me cultivate faithfulness. Another thing that we can do is that we can be careful what we say yes to. That if we're going to shine in the darkness, that if we're going to be faithful to our commitments, we need to make sure that we don't overcommit. I think sometimes we do that, we overcommit to things, and then we're not faithful, and then we end up not being a good witness, and our faithfulness is not cultivated at all. So be careful what you say yes to. Say yes to the things that glorify God the most in your life. Take time when someone asks you to make a commitment, just take a little time to pray about it. Look at your calendar so that you can be faithful in your commitments. And the fourth thing you can do is to start small and build. Jesus says that if we're faithful in small things, we'll be faithful in big things. So we can start with small things. And the cool thing about being a part of a growing church is that you can serve in small ways and see if you can fulfill those commitments before you take uh, bigger steps. So you can cultivate that faithfulness. See, how, how are we going to know when, when fruit is coming in our life? Well, because we'll be able to see the love of Jesus, the faithful one, flowing through us. I mean, you could see that in Paul, right? You could see that in Lydia. You could see that in the demon-possessed girl. You could see that in the Philippian jailer. You'll be able to see it in your own life, too. See, as God's faithfulness flows through us, we'll be able to be faithful to the things that we committed to. We'll be able to be faithful to our, our wedding vows. And if you're faithful to your wedding vows, then you're able to shine the light in darkness because so many people aren't. You'll be able to be faithful to your membership vows that you took here at this church. And when you do that, you'll be able to shine the light in darkness because so many people are not faithful to their church. That when you lead a small group or you sign up for the nursery, that the people that are in charge of those things don't have to worry about you because you signed up for it, you are gifted in it, and you're going to be faithful in it. You'll be able to see those things. I'm going to close with a story of a man named John Harper. Amazing story of faithfulness. John Harper was on the Titanic with his sister and his daughter. His wife had died previously, and uh, he was a person who really valued Jesus. That he let the faithful one work through his life, and he wanted to tell as many people about Jesus that he possibly could. When it was evident that the Titanic was not going to make it, he made sure that his daughter and his sister were on one of the lifeboats, and he spent the rest of his time on the ship telling people about Jesus. Going from person to person, are you saved? Are you saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When he was in the icy water, that's all he was doing was calling out to people, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He saw a person that was struggling in the water and he had his life vest on and he took his life vest off and he handed it to the person. He said, you need this more than I do. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he sunk to the bottom at that moment. The reason why we all know this story now is because the person that he gave the life vest to, he was saved physically and he was saved spiritually. And he went on to share the gospel with many, many more people. And literally thousands of people were changed by the person that came to faith in Christ through his family, through generation to generation to generation. What an amazing story of faithfulness. I want the Lord to cultivate faithfulness in my life. 
I want the Lord to cultivate faithfulness in our church's life so that we can light up the darkness. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm not the one that has to be in control of my own faithfulness. That if it was up to me and me alone, Lord, there's no way I'd be faithful in anything. But Lord, when I draw near to you, I get to know the faithful one. I get to let your spirit work in my life. Lord, I'm so thankful that it's called fruits of the spirit, not fruits of Andy. Lord, if that was the case, they would go rotten very quickly. Lord, help us to not be attracted to popcorn Christianity, but that we be attracted to you cultivating the fruit in our life, that good news would be a church that's known for faithfulness. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.